Brothers and sisters, it is a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, I am so grateful for this church, for your fellowship in the gospel, uh, for the witness that you all uh, are here in this place. Um, and I've enjoyed meeting a number of you already. I look forward to meeting uh, many others also as well. Uh, so I'm grateful to be with you. Uh, I'd like uh, uh, to turn this morning to Mark uh, chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at verses 46 through 52. Uh, so Mark 10, verses 46 through 52, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, let me just very briefly tell you the story of uh, a boy named Kevin. Uh, he was, uh, he's from North Carolina. Uh, he uh, is paralyzed from the waist down due to a birth defect. Uh, and of course, as a young child, he's longing to be able to walk and, and play with, with others. And, and being in a wheelchair is, is obviously very difficult. Well, he, he heard uh, about this faith healer who was coming to Raleigh and who promised that for all who had enough faith, that they would be healed. And this excited him. This, this gave him hope. And so he begged his parents, you know, please take me to this crusade. Uh, I want to be made well. This, this man can help me. He, he put his hope there. And he convinces his parents, and they, they bring him to this crusade, and, and he gets there, you know, in a wheelchair, you know, longing to be up in the front. And the ushers won't let him sit near the front. They push him to the back. Um, and this is, of course, disappointing, but even still, he hopes, well, you know, I'll get the attention of the the faith healer, and, and maybe he'll heal me. And so the time comes in the service. Who wants to be healed? He's waving his arms desperately, hoping to be called on. And he's ignored. And the hopes of being healed are dashed. And you know, in time, he comes to realize this is a lie. You know, there's no real healing being performed here. There's, there's not a real heart to help those uh, who... Uh, are longing for healing. Uh, this is just a sham. This is people who want money. Um, and, and I share that story just to say, you know, false hope is a terrible thing. And I think for all of us, you know, I wonder if you've ever had hopes that were dashed. You know, people who have let you down, uh, maybe even prayers that went unanswered. Um, and false hope that is not realized gives way to no hope, uh, to despair. And that is also a terrible thing. And, and so I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know uh, what your situation in life is this morning. Uh, maybe you're facing frightening, uh, frightening health situation. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe your family's falling apart, your job's on the line, or uh, maybe you just feel down, and it feels like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And so whatever it may be, whether you are clinging to false hopes, whether you are in the place of despair, um, I want to turn your attention this morning to Mark chapter 10, because this passage has much to say about true hope, about true faith, and about the true character of the Lord 
Jesus Christ. So listen now as I read Mark chapter 10, picking up in verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now this is one of... uh, my favorite accounts from the life of Christ. Uh, And I want to first go through this more carefully to understand the story, and then we're going to step back and ask, how does this apply to us? What do we learn from this? Uh, So in verse 46, we read, Now they came to Jericho. Uh, So this is Jesus and his disciples. They are traveling now on the way to Jerusalem. And if you flip back just earlier in the chapter, Uh, we see for the third time, Jesus has explicitly told his disciples, uh, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. So he has had his face set to go to Jerusalem uh, to be crucified. He's on the way there, uh, and they pass through Jericho on the way. And then it says, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, because of course everyone wants to see Jesus, they want to know about him. It says, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And in just that very little phrase, we actually learn quite a bit about this man Bartimaeus, of course, first of all, he's blind. And just take a minute and think about what that would be like. I mean, so much of the joy of life we experience through the gift of sight. To be able to see our loved ones, to be able to see the beauty of God's creation. Um, And and to be blind is a a terrible thing. And in this society, of course, there's not help for those who are blind. I mean, he can't work. He's very limited. Not only that, but there was a stigma attached to blindness. You may remember another account where Jesus' disciples see a man born blind, and their question is not, you know, is he a sinner? You know, it's just the assumption, well, it's it's because of sin, right? I mean, was it he that sinned or was it his parents? Who sinned, Jesus? 
So, so the assumption, you know, at this time is, well, if you're blind, it's God's judgment on you. And so you can think about the stigma, the way people would look at this man. And not only that, but it says he was sitting by the road begging, which tells us, you know, he probably had no family. He didn't have close friends. I mean, this is a man largely on his own with nothing. He begs for a living, sitting by the road day after day, all the time in his blindness. And then it says, verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so you can, you can imagine he's sitting there and there's this huge crowd and he's wondering, you know, what, what's all the commotion about? What's going on? He gets someone's attention, asks, and they say, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And I suppose it's possible that then they explain who Jesus of Nazareth is to him, but I, I think the text makes it sound like, no, Bartimaeus has heard about Jesus of Nazareth before. You know, he's probably been there and he's heard the people passing by and he's heard, you know, striking up conversation, wondering what is going on. And people were talking about this Jesus from Nazareth who was doing these amazing things, who was teaching in an amazing way. And perhaps even Bartimaeus had heard of this Jesus of Nazareth healing the blind. And you can just imagine the, the ray of hope that dawns in his heart thinking there is someone who can heal the blind. There is hope for me. I could be made well. I mean, I can just picture him there sitting, daydreaming, thinking, what if this man, this, this miracle worker, comes my way? What if I had the opportunity to come into contact with him? Oh, I would cry out for him. Oh, I would call upon him. And at this moment, he's asking, what's the commotion? Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And it just clicks in his mind. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And he begins calling out with all of this exuberation and excitement, longing that Jesus would hear and have mercy on him. But what's particularly noteworthy is what he actually says. He doesn't just say, Jesus, have mercy on me. He says, Jesus, Son of of David, have mercy on me. And that's actually quite a theological statement. I mean, he is saying something very profound about who he understands Jesus to be. Uh, the son of David is referring to, back in the Old Testament, King David, how God had promised him, you will have a son one day who will reign forever, who will be the Christ the anointed one, the Messiah. And that's what Bartimaeus is saying about Christ, about Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, you're the son of David. You're the Christ. And that's remarkable. You think, well, how, how does he know that? What has led him to believe it? We don't know. Maybe someone else told him that about Christ and he believed them. Or maybe uh, he would go to the synagogues and he would listen and he would hear the Old Testament being read and explained, and he had this picture in his mind of who the Messiah would be. Um, perhaps even came across passages like in Isaiah chapter 35, uh, where it says in verses 4 through 6, uh, Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. 
Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. We don't know for sure, but Bartimaeus may well have been someone who heard promises like that. And then he begins hearing about this Jesus and the things he was doing and connects the dots and says, this is the Messiah. I know what God's word said, and I know who this man is. And it's remarkable that here we have a blind man who sees the reality of who Jesus is better than all these other people who have two eyes, who can see perfectly well. Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, then in verse 48, we read, Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many people warned him to be quiet. Just think about that. Not just a few people. Many people were telling him, be quiet quiet, and I'm guessing they didn't use polite language. I mean, just get a picture of what this man, you know, he's not just calmly, Jesus, I'm over here. I mean, this is a man who is desperate. This is a man who's not just crying out once or twice. I mean, this is someone who is crying out again and again and again and again with as loud as he can, as desperate as he can, um, in a way that probably seemed shameful, even embarrassing, um, in a way that was without regard for his own propriety and decor and um, dignity. Um, And People are trying to silence him. They're looking at him thinking like, who do you think you are, Bartimaeus? Look, there's a crowd of people here. You think, you have the audacity to think that Jesus is going to pay attention to you? You know, you can picture the crowd looking at him, thinking, you know, be quiet. Who do you think you are? Yet Bartimaeus is calling out, saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. You know, Bartimaeus is not basing his request on anything about him and who he is. It has everything to do with Christ and his mercy and who Jesus is. His hope, his faith is fixed on the fact, his confidence that Jesus really is the one who is not only able to heal him, but the one who will be willing. And so just picture him calling out into the darkness. I mean, he can't see. I mean, just imagine that he's wondering, is Jesus close by? How far away is he? Does he hear me? Is he ignoring me? Is he, has he walked past me? And yet in the midst of that, he is calling out again and again and again with persistence, with boldness. All of his hopes being put to the test at this moment. Will Jesus really be who he was expecting? Well, verses 49 and 50. Let's go on. It says, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, 
he rose and came to Jesus. And just get this picture. Jesus, he's walking by. I mean, this is God in the flesh who is into the world. His face is fixed to go to Jerusalem. He's on the way to suffer and die on the cross to save all of his people from all time, to, to bear, to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, this salvation that has been planned from all eternity, Christ is here in the moment of accomplishing that work, and he stands still and pauses to heed the cries of this poor, blind nobody. And he commands him to be called. And now suddenly, instead of hearing, be quiet and threats from the crowd, Bartimaeus hears, be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. And so he leaps up and it seems like maybe he's tripping over his garment. And so he just throws it aside. And that too is very significant. I mean, this is a blind man who has almost nothing. This is maybe the most valuable possession he has. And it's tripping him up and... He just casts it aside. I mean, if he doesn't get healed, how is he going to find it again? What what is going to keep him warm at night? And yet all of his hope is fixed on getting to Christ. Whatever it takes, whatever hinders is going to be thrown away, he wants to get to the feet of Christ. Verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbani, that is, Master, that I may receive my sight. Now, it's very interesting that Jesus asks this question. What do you want me to do for you? Obviously, Jesus is not confused about what the needs are. He knows Bartimaeus. Um, So why does he ask? Well, I think it is enlightening to think about what happened right before this story. Just a little earlier in Mark chapter 10, um, we see that James and John, uh, this, you can pick this up in verse 35, uh, they had come to Jesus saying, you know, we have this request, we want you to let us sit on your right hand when you come in your kingdom. We want to be first. We want to be you know, in the position of authority. And Jesus had responded to them, and then after that, he gives all the disciples a lesson about true greatness and about what really counts in his kingdom. And he contrasts that. He says, look, you know, the, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. And then he says, for even I, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And then right after that, we see this account where we have Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and this poor blind beggar comes and falls down before him, and yet it's Jesus who asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you. How can I serve you? Remarkable humility to ask this question. 
And then you see Bartimaeus' response. You know, he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't say, oh Lord, you know, if you're really able, would you do this? Oh Lord, if it's not too much to ask. He just gives this simple, straightforward, Master, that I may receive my sight. Tells Jesus exactly what he wants, exactly what he needs. Verse 52, then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. You know, I wonder what that was like for Bartimaeus. Um, you know, just picture yourself in a, the blackness of a cave, seeing nothing. And then in a moment, the lights come on and he can see. And there is the first thing he sees is the face of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and then, you know, immediately after he receives his sight, he follows Jesus on the road. And Jesus had said, right, go your way. Your faith has healed you. Bartimaeus says through his actions, I want to be with you. I want to follow you. And that is the heart of every true Christian. Right? To be with Christ. To follow Him. And I also want to draw your attention to what Jesus says. Where he, he says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And that's an interesting statement because you know, obviously it's not like there's some magic power in faith. You know? Jesus is the one who made him well. And yet, Jesus seems to be pointing out, saying, Bartimaeus, your faith has made you well. And because he's, he's at the very least, he's, he's commending the faith of Bartimaeus. You know, it was Bartimaeus' faith that led him to cry out for mercy, believing that Christ's mercy would be enough even to reach him. You know, it was, Bart was Bartimaeus' faith that led him to keep calling out even when other people were threatening him. And telling him to be quiet. Even when he didn't hear a response right away. It was his faith that led him to keep calling. It was his faith that led him to throw aside his garment. And rush to Jesus. And it was his faith that led him to make such a bold request. As heal my sight. To a man he had never even met. Uh, and, and Jesus is drawing attention to this. As an example of true faith. An example of the kind of faith he responds to. So in Bartimaeus, we see an example of true faith. And so in view of what we have seen so far, I want to kind of zoom out for a moment and say, okay, what then is the big picture? How is this story relevant for us? How do we apply it to our lives? And I want to give three, three things to consider. And all three have to do in one way or another with the theme of hope that I raised at the beginning. So the first consideration, uh, we need to realize that this story is a picture of salvation. It is a picture of salvation. Uh, you see, the point isn't that it's God's will for every blind person in the world to be healed if only they had enough faith. That's, that's not the point. The point is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And whoever believes will receive eternal life. See, Bartimaeus is receiving his 
physical eyesight is really a picture of what true salvation looks like. Uh, So you see, if you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, Bartimaeus' physical condition represents your spiritual condition. Blind and poor. You see, you, like every other one of us, have sinned against God. And therefore, you are separated from God. And that separation leads to spiritual blindness and poverty. There's nothing you can do to heal yourself, just like there's nothing a blind man can do to make himself see again. Uh, There's nothing you can do to make yourself right before God. Uh, The Bible says the wages of sin is death and hell. But the good news is exactly what this comes as following this story. Jesus is on his way through Jericho to go to Jerusalem where he will suffer and die on the cross to bear the sins of all of his people, of all those who will call upon him and believe in him. And so if you repent and believe, you will be saved. Just like Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, if you call upon the Lord, you will be saved. Just like Bartimaeus had to believe in someone he could not see, you are called to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ whom you cannot see, but of whom you can read. You can know Him through His Word. Faith comes by hearing. And just like Bartimaeus, you must call upon him for mercy. It's not calling out to Christ, save me because I will always go to church, because I'll pray, because I'll amend my ways. It's save me because of your great mercy. Because there's nothing that I could do that would earn your favor. There's nothing I could do that could earn your acceptance. But my hope is in you and in your great mercy. And just like Bartimaeus flung his garment aside, so you must cast off everything that would hinder you from getting to Christ. That's what repentance is. It is turning away from the things of this world that would pull us away from Him. And friend, the good news of the Gospel is that if you believe, you will be made well. He will save you from an infinitely greater problem than physical blindness. He will save you from your sins and from hell that you might be with Him forever. And friends, for those of us who are Christians, not only can we reflect on our conversion and how the Lord saved us, uh, but we can also, as we think about this story and this picture, reflect on the coming day when Christ will return. And how here and now in this life, you know, Bartimaeus waiting there by the road, waiting for this Savior of whom he has heard all about, hoping for the day he will pass by. That is also a picture for us. You know, because in in this world, we are waiting for the one that we've not seen, but of whom we have heard and of whom we love. Uh, Like Bartimaeus, who was physically blind, in this life we will have tribulations. We will have difficulties. Uh, Maybe it's physical blindness. Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's something else. Uh, But whatever it is, you know, our hope is not in present full deliverance. Our hope is in eternity. An everlasting life with Christ. Uh, I think of 
Uh, what Paul wrote in Romans 8, where he said, For I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Or in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, he says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So as we think about our hope, it must be in salvation through Christ. Not not in present deliverance, but in the hope we have with Christ in heaven. Uh, Secondly, as we consider this big picture of this passage, I want us to consider what this passage teaches us about the character of Christ. What do we learn about Christ here? Now, we could spend all afternoon talking about Christ's compassion, uh, about his power to heal, about his humility as the servant king. Um, but I just want to focus on one particular aspect. Uh, And I want to focus our attention specifically on the way Jesus responds to Bartimaeus' faith. Um, And so remember before we talked about Bartimaeus calling into the darkness, wondering, you know, is Christ really going to live up to my expectations? Will he really be who I was hoping he would be? And the resounding answer is, of course, yes. He is everything hoped for and more. He stops, he calls, he asks, he heals Bartimaeus' hopes were not disappointed. And this is what I think we learn about the character of Christ and the character of God. It's that God delights to show himself strong on behalf of those who hope in him. God delights to show himself strong on behalf of those who hope in him. You know, I think of uh, back in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, the prophet Hanani comes to King Asa. And he says to him, were the Ethiopians and Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. It's a great picture. The eyes of the Lord running to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Just like Asa back when he relied on the Lord, when the Ethiopians and the Lubim uh, came to attack. And then in Psalm 147, it says, The Lord does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. You see, so far from God shaking his head at the boldness of a man like Bartimaeus asking for mercy, you know, saying, well, who do you think you are to make this request? God delights in those who hope in his mercy. That's his character. That's why Christ says, go your way, your faith has made you well. Uh, that's why he said back in Mark chapter 9 to this man who has a demon-possessed son, and he comes and he says, oh Jesus, you know, if, if you're able, would you heal my son? And Jesus responds, if you can believe, all things are possible for him who believes. 
Uh, that's why Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 9 to two other blind men, according to your faith, let it be to you. God delights to show himself strong on behalf of those who hope in him. And then on the other hand, we see Christ refusing to do mighty works for those who refuse to trust him. Right in Nazareth, it said he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I remember when the scribes and Pharisees come to him requesting a sign. Jesus says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And what I think we learn in the midst of all of this is that God has a way of revealing himself more and more to those who hope and trust in him. You know, they, they see more and more of his goodness, his power, and his glory. Their hopes are fulfilled and exceeded. But on the other hand, God judges those who refuse to trust him. He gives them over to ever-increasing spiritual blindness and darkness. And all their other hopes are only dashed and disillusioned. So we've thought about what this teaches, that this is a picture of salvation. We've thought about what this teaches us about the character of Christ. Thirdly and finally, I want us to think about what this passage teaches us about prayer. There's a lot of ways we could think about applying this truth that the Lord wants us to hope in Him, to trust Him, to rely on Him. But I think especially we can think about that with regard to prayer. Now, as I've said already, uh, the point is not, if you just conjure up enough faith, then God will give you whatever you want. You know, that's the lie of the prosperity gospel. Uh, God cannot be manipulated. Uh, God knows best, and many times we ask amiss, and it's actually God's grace not to give us what we ask for. Um, and thirdly, God doesn't exist merely to give us what we want, but we exist for His glory. Um, but... In view of all that, it's, it's so important that we not lose sight of the fact that Jesus commands us to pray and not lose heart. We should pray with boldness and persistence. You know, Bartimaeus crying out again and again and again with that desperation, with that boldness. Jesus commends him for his faith. That is a model for us as we think about prayer. You know, and sometimes I think we can be slide into really being unbelieving in the way we pray. We go through our prayers, but we just don't expect God to listen. And friends, we must be reminded, we are dearly beloved children who have been told Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus says, look, you know, what earthly father among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a rock? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? You know, and if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? So friends, let's be reminded, whatever burden we feel, uh, whatever needs we have, whatever sin you are struggling with, um, whatever loved ones or neighbors you long to know the gospel, take it before the Lord in prayer. Pray boldly. Pray persistently. 
Pray believing that God knows you and He loves you. And He delights to give good gifts to His children. And friends, the answer may be that if that's a trial, that God is not going to take it away, but that He will be with you in the midst of it. Um, But friends, let's pray with hope. So as we conclude, um, we've seen here an example of faith in Bartimaeus. We've seen that Christ meets our hopes. That we can look forward, that we can place all of our hope not in the here and now, but in eternity. That we are to hope in the Lord and no one else. And that we are to pray with hope and expectation. So let's go to Lord in prayer now as we close. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that in the midst of um, all of our false hopes, all of our temptations toward despair, that he has come, that he has shown us the way of salvation, that you have given us promises that can be counted on, that can be relied upon, Promises that give us hope even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. We thank you that you've given us the privilege of being able to come before you in prayer, knowing that you are indeed our loving Heavenly Father. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.